0: Welcome to episode number 107 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown. joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. And with me, I have Dustin Galker. I have Adam Candy. You can find them on the Twitter machine. And follow them for free at Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. And if you hate yourself, you can follow me. At Matt Brown M2, we are going to talk about Ohio and Canada and Arizona, and we will get some numbers updates. And We'll even look at the rapid fire state things as well that Adam always ends up these podcasts with. But however, we're going to start here with some uh, story here that Brad Allen was was working on. I know uh, he was going to join us for a for a US Open podcast, but uh, this took precedent over that and was not able to do that because this story hit about the same time that we were going to be talking about that. And that is this uh, this short seller out there that seems to have uh, put some information into the public in order to maybe perhaps if we wanted to look at this for one way, perhaps put the uh, DraftKings stock a little bit more towards their position. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's start off with that, Dustin.
2: Uh, it's not even perhaps they they make no <laughs> bones they make no bounds about this is a group called Hindenburg Research which uh, we woke up at least here on the pacific, woke up uh, here on pacific time at least to this report from from them that you know they're an, what they are is an activist short seller they put out reports on, on on companies they see as perhaps being bad actors uh, they've done this n- numerous times they take short positions on these companies in the hopes of that the report the and what they've uncovered and 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 uh, released to the public you know, makes their short position then then uh, uh profitable. So we so we see this this week come out with DraftKings this big report about how DraftKings uh you know we all know I think here at least people who listen to the industry and follow it that they as part of their reverse merger to go public they bought SB Tech and uh the, you know uh, not sure how you would classify the revelations in here but you know they make a lot of accusations about what. Uh, what SB tech is doing in terms of working in gray and black markets and how, how they kind of siphoned off what the black, what's considered black market operations to, so that to be more, more clean and white label for, for DraftKings. So I I, I'll say this, there's two, two takeaways from this, that one DraftKings, stock price initially went way down. It's almost back to what it was at the start of the week before this report came out. So, you know, the short position, whether it depends on the time frame on that short position it may or may not have worked. They might even be by the time Friday closes, grab <laughs> could be up on the week. We'll see on that. Um And two, this is not a ton of necessarily new information. Um, SP tech and, uh, you know, service of gray markets and whether and what you think they've been doing. This has been I don't think anybody in the industry is surprised by any of this. It was it's kind of out there, you know. SB Tech is somebody is a is a company before it was owned by DraftKings that's been been you know licensed in lots of places, including you know not not, not through DraftKings just on its own to provide uh, tech stacks for people. You know, UK, New Jersey, you know, several other places. Now there's uh, there's no doubt that there's been some gray market activity. So all of this is and, you know this is the takeaway from Brad Allen. You can take it for what it's worth. This Is all this a much ado about nothing? Like the, the if if there's something that comes out of this is if somebody gets cold feet out of this, you know, you know, I'd like to talk about Oregon, you know, SB tech is the supplier of the Oregon scoreboard sportsbook app here. Do they, there's some, there's some revelations in there that maybe Oregon doesn't like, but you know, I don't think, I don't think we're going to see like regulators come back and say, Oh, we made a mistake here. I don't think there's anything in there that makes that, that happen. Do, and the other part is do, do like partners, like the leagues themselves that have been working with draft teams, do they get cold feet out of this? I don't know. I don't know if I, See any of that happening? If anybody's done any of the due diligence on DraftKings and SB Tech, I don't, you know, I don't think anything here is a revelation necessarily. It's not great what's, what what SB Tech mm-hmm. has done in its past necessarily, or what it's even continuing to do on this other corporation that's been that serves serves other markets. But you know, I, I don't know. This is going. It apparently is not going to have the effect that they hoped, uh, at least in the short term.
0: Adam, that's uh, basically kind of what I got from it as well. I mean, I even talked to a couple of other people in the industry and their their response was kind of like, shoulder shrug emoji right like it was kind of like i mean anyone who did any sort of of due diligence at all whenever they were going through the process of whether they wanted to partner with DraftKings or whether they wanted to partner with sb tech or whether they wanted to move on with whatever it might be some sort of sponsorship deal or some sort of uh you know partnership deal from that aspect as well um probably already knows all of this or should have at least anyway known all of this because that's what the whole due diligence process is all about it's not like like these people got this super secret information or something that wasn't able to be found out. So uh, a lot of the couple of the people that I talked to were just kind of like, I don't uh, I don't really understand what what the big deal is here.
1: This is a nuanced story that I think requires going back a couple of years to when DraftKings and SB Tech, especially SB Tech, uh, was first getting into Oregon, right? Then into Oregon in terms of operating sports betting um I'll pull back the curtain a little bit for some folks and say that it was almost 2 years exactly where one of the competitors of SB Tech was calling Dustin and I breathlessly trying to push all of this information the same information that we're talking about right now that's been out there for a long time and that competitor wanted us to report on SB Tech being in Iran and wanted us to report on all of these gray market activities and in doing our due diligence, we checked out all of the information that they sent us. And quite frankly, uh, there wasn't enough for us to be writing mm-hmm. sourced stories about this. I'm not saying it's untrue. Obviously, what this Hindenburg report has done is shown that there is evidence of some of these activities where I think it gets interesting is in that report where it talks about them spinning off some of that business, DraftKings and SB Tech, into a separate company. Because in a way, whether SB Tech wants to call it gray market or not, if there's that tacit acknowledgement by spinning it off into a separate company that something might not hold water here, then is it the sort of thing that invites a regulator to take another look at it? Now, that's to assume that the regulator hasn't already seen it um, because, as Dustin mentioned, these companies have been licensed in multiple jurisdictions. So, you know, I actually went to uh, our old buddy from this podcast, Eric Ramsey, who covered all of that SB Tech situation in Oregon. He was the one putting in public records requests to find out the background of the contract uh, with SB Tech in the Oregon lottery. And I said to him, Tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like this is all stuff we've known. This is all stuff that's been out there Mm -hmm. in the sphere one way or another. And he said, you know what, man, that was largely my reaction. Like largely I looked at it and said, yeah, there's not a lot that's new here. So I don't know. uh, Did Hindenburg accomplish its purpose uh, that is apparently clear by its name of blowing everything up and setting it on fire? I don't know. I don't think so.
0: Yeah, it is. uh, Again, I, you know, I don't have the contacts that you guys do but the people that I did talk to were saying that it didn't seem like it was much of anything to them um, people who are in the industry even still and might even be competitors to a DraftKings and said yeah they still don't think that it's anything so you know if if, if a competitor out there is saying like yeah I don't really think there's anything to the story then uh, probably not much to it but if you want to read the full breakdown of all this and everything and uh and brad's take on everything be sure and head to legal sports report.com of course subscribe rate and review to the podcast and all the places that you listen to your podcast whether that be apple google stitcher spotify wherever it might be we really do appreciate you guys going I- in and subscribe rating and reviewing. I
2: have, I have one more footnote before we move on to yes. this topic. Cause it's one of the best, one of the best sentences I've written read in, in our space. It wasn't actually, it was at uh, the Boston globe. So um, you know, part, part of what happened was the, the, you know, when the Hindenburg there's people who on the Reddit machine who don't like, uh, Hindenburg and people trying to short sell people, so there are act, people actively trying to buy the uh, you know, buy the stock to stop this from happening. So uh, on two, this is this this, this this is great. On Tuesday, this is a quote from the Boston Globe story. On Tuesday, the most popular comments on the site about DraftKings suggested buying the stock because company's, company's ticker symbol DKNG reminded people of the video game Donkey Kong. That's <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a sentence that somebody wrote, and it's apparently true in the in the world that that helped DraftKings retain its share price.
1: How is it that this company went public in April of 2020? I've been staring at that symbol for almost (laughs) a year and a half and never thought of that.
0: I I also have never thought of that. But this also lets you know uh, where we sit right now, why, why we say every single time whenever we talk about this stuff like, do not take any of our stonk advice for anything other than us just talking, because, yeah, I mean, you can make things go up and down and all these because apparently maybe something even reminds you of Donkey Kong. And so uh, that is, you know, so professional, guys. This is exactly how uh, we do business. Uh, let's talk about Ohio, Adam, and this is a bit of a bummer.
1: So there's good news and there's bad news. And in Ohio, the fact that something actually happened is the real news. Um, The good news is that the Ohio Senate overwhelmingly passed its sports betting bill, moving it over to the House and keeping the process moving there in Ohio, which frankly has been about a two year process uh, to get to even having a bill go this far. What we did see as bad news, though, is that the start date was pushed back on Ohio sports betting until at least April of 2022. And so they are taking a very slow, cautious approach to what they believe is going to take time to not only finish their bill, but to also get regulations and applications all set up. Are they right? Who knows? Because other states have been able to move quicker than it appears Ohio is moving. But keep Mm -hmm. in mind, this is the same state that held more than a dozen hearings on this bill in the Senate to make sure that they had exactly what they wanted in the Senate. And there are still some changes that I think could potentially happen in the House when it comes to Ohio. So what did we end up with? Uh, We ended up with a bill that has all sorts of different licenses. I mean, like three, four different types of licenses and... Pro teams get some consideration and bars get some consideration and uh, casinos get some consideration. I mean, really, they're trying to make everyone happy in Ohio, which maybe they can do it. But in general, when you try to make everyone happy in one of these bills, you end up kind of making everyone a little bit unhappy. So we'll see what happens in the House. But at least the bill did move on and Ohio is moving toward legal sports betting.
0: And Dustin, we've, you know, from what we've seen from, let's say, Tennessee, from Michigan, from Illinois, when they did have remote registration, things like that, uh, Ohio could be a a fairly major player here when all things are considered one, just from not only from a population standpoint, but again, we kind of look and when you look at the college market, Ohio State, obviously one of the perennial powerhouses in college sports. And then you also have some really diehard fans. Maybe the teams aren't so great, though. I, I'm a big Browns backer this year. Big, big, big time on the Browns. But uh, lots of lots of sports teams there as well for them to to back.
2: Yeah, I mean, Ohio, I mean, you look at the, I mean, there's some problems with the legislation. Not everybody's happy with it. They're, they're, they're another one of these states that seems to be trying to reinvent the wheel and how they do it. But there will be a lot of online brands. There are a lot of people. Yeah, you know, this will, you know, Ohio will be a successful market market if and when they get this bill passed and and, and and things going, you know, possibly next year if it happens in that in that time frame. So, yeah, Ohio, big market going to be a, going to be a successful one, even if they try to mess it up.
0: So let's head north of the border yet again, and we'll check in with our uh, friends up there in Canada. Shout out to Julian. Uh, Dustin, what's going on in Canada?
2: We have I, I don't know. We, I feel like every week we might be like we should have <laughs> like the Canada meter like like uh, it. it it varies every week. You know, we're kind of, I'd say, trending towards optimistic right now in Canada. Um, there, there, there's People are saying the right things yet again. That that sports betting is going to, going to move forward. Uh, there's, it could come up in the Senate, like really anytime. It, it could, this could become outdated. It's another one of those that could become outdated, even as we're talking on the podcast. Mm-hmm. The, I know, it's, it could. They're, they're in session today. The Parliament's in session today. Uh, they might be talking. They might be talking about sports betting today. Um, but it's in front of the the full senate now uh they c- it can be voted on and and moved on uh they have short time to do this right now but um so we're talking we're still talking about it but you know this was this went from slam dunk to less than a coin flip to now we're optimistic. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to handicap what's going on. And again, you don't know, we don't know. We're not, you know, we cover a lot of this stuff, but we're not privy to the, the backroom machinations of the Canadian parliament right now. And it's uh, a little difficult to handicap, but you know, people are, you know, the sponsor is optimistic. So, you know, the, and again, this is, you know, if can if this happens, this allows provinces to start legalizing single game wagering, which we know several provinces will be doing in short order if this bill passes. Adam,
0: we had Arizona feel like it kind of came out of nowhere within 30 seconds of the announcements. We already had sports betting partnerships and sports books being constructed uh, in the state within the the thing getting done. Um, where do we sit right now as far as when the people might actually get to uh, get going down there in Arizona?
1: Manifest destiny continues here, Matt, as Arizona continues to move right along toward its planned September 9th launch. Uh, They now have made their rules public for review. Uh, There's a link actually on the Arizona Department of Gaming website you can go to to offer your comment. Um, There are four areas they're reviewing. Uh, They're looking at the license structure. They're looking at the fees. But here's my favorite part. They want to call the taxes something else because certain states of certain political persuasions don't want to think that they're raising someone's taxes. Look. The whole idea is you're taxing it. Okay. So call Mm. it a privilege fee if you want. You're talking about that you're looking at the tax rate. So it still has to be decided in Arizona. You know, that will be the subject (laughs) of a lot of public discussion as to what the privilege fees will be. It's the tax rate on GGR that you see everywhere else. But go ahead, Arizona, find another way to try to reinvent the wheel so you can look politically better stop it it's ridiculous okay stop talking about privilege fees okay i'm done with that uh but arizona appears to be on target for moving toward a launch by the beginning of football season
0: and dustin just as a quick recap um for people who don't know the reference that i made earlier we already have partnerships at golf courses at arenas we already know which players are going to be involved with all that like that's that stuff happened very very rapidly
2: yeah, not everybody's got a dance partner yet in Arizona, but you know, the the big the big guys do have have avenues into the state and you know, yeah, already plans for retail sports books will get online sports betting and you know, this is a uh, you know, if Arizona pulls all this off, I I'm not sure there's been a, a state that would have moved quite as fast as they have. I mean, we're you know, talking regulations aren't even finalized and they're saying, Yep, everybody's gonna be live, who wants to be live by September 9th. That's kind of a you know, I think Indiana might have been the, the one that was that fast that happened faster than we we suspected, but you know, uh and you know it goes into some of this vetting and regulation. I don't know, like, can you actually do a, a worthwhile job of, of regulation in this amount of time? I don't know. I mean, if you're piggybacking off what everybody else does, I guess so. But you're not like, there's no way you're doing deep dives into like 20 different operators if you're doing this. So, um, you know, uh, these guys have been, you know, all these good, again, all these companies have been vetted multiple places. Do you need to reinvent the wheel? Maybe not. But I'm, I'm also saying maybe, maybe a little bit fast. But you know, they, they're obviously, I, I, you know, the faster they get things up, the faster they're competing with the black market and. In in theory, all this is is better for the customer in, in the long run.
0: Adam, over under number of sober bets placed on the weekend of the waste management open in Phoenix at the on premises sports book that will be open by this time. Uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting.
1: Um, I think the only sober wagers will potentially <laughs> be placed by the what the Uber drivers maybe. Yeah, like there you uh, go. I'm not guaranteeing that.
0: that's true we're we're not going to say that the uber drivers are even doing that god that that book is going to do monster handle for the super bowl it is going to be unbelievable whenever that uh when that comes out dustin we love to talk numbers here on the podcast so uh let's talk some numbers
2: this has become numbers week every time we do it now these are the the big three as we we probably don't call it, but we could mm-hmm. call it New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Michigan, the states that are are quickly becoming some of the largest ones. They also have online casino for cross sell. So we see what's going on as the summer months come in. And some of it's a little surprising, I'd say, you know, um, you know, New Jersey actually saw handle go up uh, was not surprisingly the, the best of the states for for terms of. Uh, revenue that we've seen so far and almost certainly will be almost 52 million in revenue, uh, 814 million in handle. So New Jersey, despite actually, you know, the calendar kind of winding down on sports is actually is actually up. A lot of it looks like some baseball betting is helping that out. Um, You know, just volume on baseball. We see, you know, People say, oh, there's lots going on, but when when the when the playoffs start, there's there's well, there's lots of interest, there's just less mm-hmm. stuff to bet on. So right. we we kind of, you know, again, historically in Vegas, we see April, May, June kind of wind down because there's less to bet on. Uh some you know, some states like New Jersey kind of bucking that trend. Uh then we have uh Pennsylvania, $37 million in revenue, $447 million in handle. Handle fell a little bit, but a, a good revenue number uh there. So um, you know, hard hard is hard to look at those two and say like what what it is. We're gonna we're gonna be, I'm sure we're gonna be looking more at these numbers. And it's also hard makes it harder because you don't have year-on-year comparisons when there's no sports in April. So we're we're looking at these numbers and like what's going on? We're not sure. You know, in parallel, all in the casino is doing very well in both of these states as well, as it is in Michigan, where handle was again down the lowest since it was of launch, about a quarter of a million, uh, and handle 21 million in revenue. Um, so Michigan is uh, kind of following that trend of okay, things, you know, who knows what's what's carrying it, but the, the Detroit sports teams not that exciting right now. Tigers not right. that exciting. Um, so you know, not you know, not much else to bet on. So that's what's kind of what you expect. But we're seeing already some some states buck this trend, and I'm sure we'll be doing some more like wider angle reporting. I think uh, without assigning it directly here on this podcast, I think there's there's going to be an interesting story of like why are some states up, up and why yeah. are some states down.
0: And Adam, I think one of the things that'll be pretty interesting for when we hit the ground running here this fall, it's pretty much seems like every NFL stadium is going to be as close to max capacity as they can from everything that we keep reading. By the time we get going there, uh, we did not get that, obviously, all of last season. And with some of these markets launching, some of the we, we will actually see, I think, you know, does how much does fan engagement really you know help out with with sports betting and vice versa and things like that because i do believe that there is there's certainly something cuz i think you've done it i've done it we've heard of our friends that have done it that if you're going to go to event x y or z uh, you know you might be a little bit more apt to to throw a little bit of money down on it and so these nfl teams are going to get either eight or nine home games a year, depending on what the new 17 game schedule, um, either eight or nine home games a year where there's going to be, you know, tens of thousands of fans that are going to be making that trek to this, to the stadium, or maybe even more than that, who got just a tailgate. Maybe you don't even have plans to go to the game. So with the fandom part of sports coming back this fall as well, I will be interested to see the comparable numbers from this year to last year.
1: You know, I'm wondering how comparable they're really going to be. I think what we're really going to start to see is and we have a I'll tease this. We have an article coming at Legal Sports Reports in the next couple of days that talks about stickiness of U.S. sports bettors and whether or not that's changing. Uh, I think what we're really going to see is let's say you're a bet Fred in Colorado and you were putting a lot of stock into your mile high activation to be able to bring in customers. I think what we're really going to see is what is the value of those in stadium activations and will they serve Mm -hmm. to either bring in new customers or to move customers from one book to another? And I don't think that we have a really good uh, marker for comparison for that. I think it'll be something that, you know, might even be a lagging indicator over the course of a couple of months for us to to get a look at. Really, the only true comparables we have, and I'm not even sure how comparable they are, really 18 to 19 in the more mature markets. When we look at New Jersey, Pennsylvania, really, I don't know that beyond that we have a lot of apples to apples that that we can look at. What you just said, though, there, there will be at least, I think, something to be drawn from that it might be more correlation than causation. But it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see uh, in these markets that were just about to get ramped up last football season, what it looks like with full buildings.
0: And as we do to end each and every podcast, let's do a rapid fire from around the uh, more minor stories as opposed to uh, getting a full segment on it. Adam, take us home with the state updates.
1: Minor, maybe in terms of web traffic, but not in our hearts. Uh, The state (laughs) of Maine is trying to once again be a comeback story. Uh, If you remember Maine. They were the state that at the beginning of last year had the governor veto a sports betting bill that had been passed months earlier. Uh, and then she went and whipped her legislature, who was about to override that veto, to get them to stop it. Well, we're back. Uh, and in the Maine legislature, it looked like the bill was going to be dead over concerns about whether or not Maine sports betting would be tethered to casinos. Uh, You have Penn National leading the charge for tethering sportsbook licenses to casinos. Shocker uh, that they would like that to be the case, uh, advocating for their interest, as you would expect. Uh, Not sure what will happen in Maine, but uh, I I would call that a coin flip at best here at the moment. Uh, Wyoming, the rules are out there for review in Wyoming. It's another state that's probably going to be able to launch by September. Uh, Similar for South Dakota, although that will be An extremely limited situation uh, to just Deadwood in South Dakota. We saw up in Washington that uh, more than a dozen tribes had their sports betting compacts approved to be able to offer retail in-person sports betting up in the state of Washington. Don't expect mobile there anytime soon because they have shown no inclination uh, to go that direction.
0: Guys, as always, every single thing that we talk about here on the podcast, you can find over at LegalSportsReport.com. Be sure and go read the work that Adam and his team are doing, putting in the hours so you don't have to. If you want to follow Dustin on Twitter and you should, it's free at Dustin Gawker. You can follow Adam at Adam Candy. That is two E's, no Y. And uh, you can rewind back to the beginning if you want to follow me for whatever reason. Subscribe, rate and review, please. All the places that you get your podcast we want to keep keep climbing those charts and uh we do like to see the little five stars it really does make us feel good every time that we log in and check out what you guys have to say about the podcast for dustin for adam i'm matt talk to you guys next week